Welcome to the AFP Report. This is your host, John Friend. Today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. This is the 40th edition of the AFP Report, a podcast series where I will be interviewing reporters and contributors to American Free Press, America's Last Real Newspaper, as well as other special guests. Please consider subscribing to American Free Press if you are not already. Subscription details can be found at AmericanFreePress.net. Today, I'm joined once again by Don Jeffries, an independent author and historian, and a regular contributor to American Free Press. All right, Don Jeffries, welcome back to the program, sir. How are you today? Fine, John. It's always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me once again. You are, of course, an independent historian, an author, a radio host, and a regular contributor to American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. You also maintain your own Substack page, which I will have linked when I post this podcast program. It's called I Protest, and I believe the URL is donaldjeffries.substack.com. I think that'll take you right there. Yes. Yeah, I'll have it linked, though, either way, and if you just do a simple Google search, you should be able to, to find it. And I've been following your work over there on Substack for the past year at least now, in addition to your articles in American Free Press. And speaking of Substack and this most recent issue of the newspaper, Kevin Barrett, wrote a very interesting article about the ADL hit piece launched against Substack and how they were complaining and moaning about how people are able to not only sort of, you know, generate an income and, and, and you know, garner an audience on mm-hmm. Substack, um, but how, quote unquote, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories are flourishing on the platform, which I don't know how true that is. I mean, mm-hmm. I follow Substack pretty closely and I don't see you know, too, too much like super controversial material on there, but this is very typical for an organization like the ADL who seemingly get to dictate what is allowed to be discussed on the internet, what's allowed to be discussed in our, you know, political conversations. So um, be careful over there, Don, don't, uh, don't engage in any (laughs) anti-Semitic conspiracy theorizing on Substack. I get a lot of comments. And uh, if you look at my comments, I, I do draw the people who are obsessed with Jews. So I get a lot of them and, you know, I just, I let them have free reign, you know, and uh, I uh, just respond when it's uh, appropriate, but I mean, I've made my feelings clear on it, but uh, I don't, I don't obsess about it, but uh, I'm a little concerned because I've heard from a few people uh, that because Substack, I always tout is the only thing out there. That's the only platform I can go to where I'm not shadow banned. I'm shadow banned on Twitter and Facebook is just hopeless, but um Twitter's a little better, but still, they're definitely shadow banning me there too. But but Substack is so great because my audience is growing there. I'm getting a fair number of paid subscribers now, so it is giving me a little bit of an income, which is great, and uh, I appreciate the support. But people are telling me that like uh, they're they're either not getting they're not they're the notifications for my newest the latest article are being held up. And that's what they do on Facebook and Twitter with the shadow ban. Or in some cases, like one woman called me, it just goes to my spam folder now. And then she told me the last one didn't even go to the spam folder. She just never got it. Hmm. So I hope that's not an indication that Substack is going down that same road because it'd be really disillusioning because right now it just it does appear to be a forum for free speech. I mean, they're not you know, controlling anything I'm writing. I'm writing what I want. But uh, so anyhow, just uh, yeah. so if, you, if you do follow me out there and you see anything like that, let me know. Yeah, I mean, I've been totally shadow banned on Twitter. I mean, like you really can't even view any of my tweets unless you go like directly to my page. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's it's very annoying. I was thinking about maybe um, 
paying for the uh, blue check mark, like the verified status yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. But I'm not even convinced that that would help all that much, given yeah. the nature of a lot of the things that I write and talk about. So I don't know. It's it, it is very annoying, and it's it j- just shows you how unfair the the playing field is. You know, mm-hmm. certainly the the concept of free speech is is almost out the window at this point in America. A topic we'll be getting into. Uh, one platform for sure that that still is dedicated to free speech is American Free Press the national print newspaper. And let me just start off by encouraging our listeners to please consider subscribing to the newspaper if you're not already. AFP is a national biweekly print newspaper, one of the last truly independent and populist print publications in in, in America, probably in, in much of the Western world. So um, do consider subscribing if you're not already. Check out AmericanFreePress.net for all the details. You will always find multiple articles by Don. I usually contribute two or three at least. And then, of course, we have you know, all sorts of uh, other contributors, including Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, Ron Paul, and, and, and many, many others. So um, speaking of American Free Press, Don, we just sent issue 15 and 16 of 2023 to the printer last week, just on Friday. So it's currently being printed and is going to be mailed out to all our subscribers basically as we're speaking now. And you had, as always, quite a few interesting stories published in the paper. And I want to start off by discussing a topic that you and I both wrote about, which is the entirely politically motivated indictment of former President Donald Trump, something that you know we saw coming, um, although it was a little unclear when exactly it was going to happen, but there was all sorts of talk about it leading up to it. President Trump certainly made made the most of it, it mm-hmm. seems like, with this fundraising and whatnot, and certainly the media was was talking about it for weeks on end. So um, to, to get started, I do want to get your take on it. You had a really interesting story uh, dealing with this topic in the newspaper, and I kind of wrote more, of, more or less like a report just kind of highlighting the indictment mm-hmm. and the political motivations behind it, you know, this judge that's involved in the case, and then some legal analysis, which almost universally – has denounced this indictment as just totally baseless and ridiculous and absurd. So um, let me just briefly read the first couple of paragraphs of my article to give some basic background details of the situation, and then I will turn it over to you. And this is a story that I wrote. It's on page seven of this uh, issue 15 and 16 of the current issue of American Free Press. And I write here, in a much anticipated and highly politicized move, Alvin Bragg, the woke, soft on crime, George Soros-backed Manhattan district attorney, officially indicted former President Donald Trump on 34 counts of violating New York Penal Code 175.10, falsifying business records in the first degree. The allegations of criminal misconduct are tied to 34 separate instances of purported business record falsification beginning in February 2017 and ending in December 2017. Much of the media speculation has focused on Trump's alleged affair with Stormy Daniels, an adult film star whose credibility is severely lacking, and hush money payments purportedly made to her via Trump's former lawyer, the disgraced Michael Cohen. Trump was officially arraigned on Tuesday, April 4th in a Manhattan courtroom where he entered not guilty pleas on all 34 charges against him, becoming the first president in American history to face criminal prosecution. 
we cannot and will not normalize serious criminal misconduct, Bragg said when announcing the indictment, which many, including Trump himself, were speculating would happen at any moment. Now, I, I want to stop there because you got to love just the absolute brazen hypocrisy and gaslighting from this this Alvin Bragg. I mean – we're, we can't normalize criminal misconduct. That's that's what his entire reign in New York City has been all about: is normalizing yeah. and and allowing outrageous crimes to be committed. I mean, that's what he's done. He's presided over total and complete lawlessness, at least when the crimes are committed by minorities and other quote-unquote protected classes of people. I mean, what an out, absolutely outrageous statement, Don. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think is this is, is he represents really the epitome of it. You know, it's I, John, I've been talking about this for a long time, because even when I was a liberal, a classical liberal, uh, I I never, um, I mean, I was concerned about civil rights. Martin Luther King was my hero and everything, but I never, I never understood. I saw the double standards then, and uh, I talk about you know being a young guy working in the 1970s, first entering the job market and seeing how uh, blacks were uh, already held to a different standard and they were allowed to get away with things that no one else got away with. That was then. Uh, and so all that it's time. It's probably a hundred times worse now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah. I can't even imagine, but it's it, decades of pandering have result decades of pandering and simply just not holding everyone to the same standards. I mean, rules, well, laws, standards of behavior have to apply to everyone or they don't mean anything. Right. And that's what you have here with, with this guy, and you saw in Chicago, the uh, who's the new mayor, who's somehow worse than Lori Lightfoot. I don't know how it's even possible, but he is. And uh, they, you just had all those just atrocious. You saw the videos of of, of mob, which 100% black, uh, you know, robbing and looting, and you know, for, I don't even know why, but they were just going crazy there. And uh, his uh, the new mayor, uh, I forget his name, uh, basically excused them, excused their behavior, and said these are people that. Uh, are marginalized and don't have opportunities. I, I don't, you know, I don't. It's, I don't it's know one, how. it's one excuse <laughs> after another. I mean, that's yeah. all these people do. Whether it's these Soros-funded prosecutors or these left-wing liberal politicians <laughs> that run virtually every single major American city, you know, it's just one excuse after another. You're right. Nobody's not not all of us are held to the same account. You know, the, no. the same standards. And the, the the constant excuses, whether it's, oh, they don't have enough opportunities or they've been oppressed their whole lives or they're battling systemic racism. I mean, like we cannot be putting these people on a higher pedestal at this point. It, it's no. constant excuses. They get special treatment in school and the university setting, even in jobs where diversity yes. and inclusion is systematically promoted across the country at this point. And yet they still cannot – pull themselves up by their bootstraps and still get excuses like this. It's just absolutely insulting and outrageous. Well, it is. And I, I don't, I don't know. And again, I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame anybody, but white leaders for this. And I've been blaming them for their, because when I was talking about the 1970s it was almost all white supervisors, white managers, white directors, that white vice presidents that were allowing this to go on. And so it's, it's their fault. And I, I don't know, you know, I, I've never been the beneficiary of this kind of stuff, but I, I if I had that kind of card to play, I, I don't know. It's uh, I, we're all human. I might play it too. So I don't, I don't blame them at all. I mean, I think they ought to have some kind of morality and say, well, okay, you know, do I really need a flat screen TV? But if you have people like in, in places like California where they've basically legalized shoplifting, if I was a young guy 
as a white guy. And they suddenly, and they basically said, we're not going to do anything if you steal less than a thousand dollars a day. Well, I mean, would I ever, back in the day, would I have paid for VHS tapes or cassettes or CDs or record albums? I, I don't think so. I mean, why would I? You know, right. So, not so not I, if you I, knew you could get away with it with such ease like yeah, these people yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think we have to look at that. But it'd be, the uh, it would be – it's bad enough that they have – but again, it's not consistent because these same people, the same people that have this unbelievably tolerant – uh, toleration for things, you know, breaking windows and, 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 and theft and, and are injuring people and things like that. These are the exact same people that want to lock up and throw away the key to the J6 defendants or anybody, obviously maybe Donald Trump or whatever they can get him on. They don't have that same kind of uh, tolerance for their polit- so-called political enemies. So it's not across the board. And that's why, you know, I think it's just, it's, you mentioned, uh, Bragg's record of how he's um, he's basically busted almost all felonies. I think he had one guy that served 30 days for rape and went out raped again, shockingly. Uh, so how do you how do you have a bust? Would you really consider what Donald Trump did or may have done, paying off a stripper, to be a more serious crime than rape? Apparently this guy does, but there's nobody holding. There's no Democrat holding his feet to the fire, and there's few people other than like Tucker Carlson to the degree he does. Most of the Republicans, as I call them, are completely worthless. They're not saying anything. And again, they refuse to ever mention race. So even when Fox News is covering the riots, and which oddly enough took place the same day. I don't know. what, what Why were they going crazy in Chicago and California, L.A.? I don't know. But they were they were going crazy about something. And again, in L.A., you had more of a diverse crowd, but it was still all non-white. It was a lot of Hispanics. Uh, it, Chicago was 100 percent black. Nobody they don't mention that. They call talking yeah, about use. It's not exactly. use. If you, if you take all the non-whites out of the equation, there are no riots. White people don't riot. I'm not saying we're better, but we don't. So it's not. It's a racial problem. It's a racial problem that's so obvious just from looking at the video, and yet it would go yes. totally uncommented on yeah. by virtually everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could we could go on and on about this, but l- let me just mention that yeah. Bra- this guy Bragg. I mean, he is absolutely a George Soros-funded prosecutor, and and the media has made. A lot of hay with that about how it's like, and of course, like groups like the Anti-Defamation League, it's like this anti-Semitic trope, despite yeah. the fact that it's <laughs> that it's objectively true. Yeah. And Soros has donated millions of dollars to some of these other organizations that directly fund his campaign, and and many other people across the country. Pretty much all these major, um, you know, left-wing progressive prosecutors who are extremely lenient when it comes to minorities committing crime and, and other quote-unquote oppressed people committing crime. I mean, here's a guy that regularly decreases felony charges to misdemeanors while basically yep. refusing to prosecute other crimes. Yep. And I mean, the, the results have been typical. You know, we see this all across the country, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, you know, again, pretty much all the major cities, just total lawlessness, total chaos, total disorder, you know, tourists getting attacked, you know, totally innocent people, business owners struggling to make ends meet, even big corporations like Walmart and Whole Foods mm-hmm. having to like literally close up shop in some of these cities. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just ridiculous and it just shows you how far this this country has fallen. So yeah. I, I'm curious, I, I want to get your reaction to the actual Trump indictment. Why? And, and this is something that you address in your article. I mean, why didn't Trump openly refuse to go along with this right. prosecution and just say, look, I'm not turning myself in. I'm going to stay in Florida. The governor down here, Ron DeSantis, seemingly made some 
supportive comments saying that he would not cooperate with this totally baseless, you know, obviously politically motivated prosecution. So what's your take? Yeah, that's what I, what I stressed in the article. And I, I think, John, that I'm the only one uh, I've, I've never seen – I have not seen anyone else take have the take I have on this, and that is to concentrate on the fact of, of Trump. First of all, this is the mistake conservatives, so-called conservatives, and the right makes, the Republicans make on everything. They, they play the game within the boundary set by these crazy woke Democrats. This is – and you see – the look at the reaction of Donald Trump and then look at the reaction of Bragg when Jim Jordan wanted him to come to Washington, D.C. Bragg is just a, is just a DA. Trump's a former president of the United States. And the, the governor of Florida, DeSantis, said, don't worry about it. I, I got your back. And he just can't keep stop uh, calling DeSantis names. DeSantis offered to protect him. He doesn't have to honor that, uh, that uh, uh, extradition order because they, they set a precedent many times, but certainly during the Jim Garrison investigation, the JFK assassination, uh, the governors all over the states, including Ronald Reagan in California and John Connolly, who was shot during the assassination in Texas. Both refused to extradite witnesses to Garrison. So there's precedent out there for doing that. DeSantis had the exact right take. He basically said, I don't recognize this is legitimate. I think it's dubious. So he, he wasn't going to play. The problem is everybody else is going to play, and Trump had it handed to him on a silver platter. And as I said at the time, this guy, that's why I call him Trump and Stein, why I say he's an actor, every time he has a chance to show he's sincere, he does this. There was never any doubt in my mind. I knew he was going to New York and that he would talk about himself and, and, and you know, lie and claim there were people crying in court and all kinds of ridiculous nonsense. But and then his his idiotic legal team, he always has the worst lawyers. This is a billionaire. You know, I wrote Survival of the Richest. I've studied the way the elite. They're all above the law. You're not they're not they're not supposed to be subject to things like this. Any uh, anybody else, even people that are, you know, the Clintons and people like that are aren't they're wealthy, but they're not billionaires. Uh, they, do you think Bill Clinton or Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or one of the Bushes, they, they, if a D.A. in another state tried to indict them on some ridiculous nonsense, like let's let's say somebody tried to indict Bill Clinton now on Paula Jones and Bill Clinton paid Paula Jones eight times the amount that Trump paid Stormy Daniels over eight hundred thousand dollars. That nobody would dare prosecute him. But as some Republican right wing prosecutor who had bragged about he was going to get Clinton, as this guy bragged, bragged, you know, perfect name for him, bragged about getting uh, Donald Trump, the, d- d- Clinton would laugh. He would. And the media, of course, would be on his side, but he wouldn't even lend any credence to it. His his legal team would be the, the kind of legal team all the one presenters get, except Donald Trump. And I think that's part of his act. Instead, he gets these clowns who are worse than first-year uh, legal people. T- Tucker Carlson tried to kind of he, – he kind of alluded to what I'm saying when he was interviewing this young girl that's one of his latest attorneys who, as I understand, was apparently a, a, a garage parking lot lawyer or something. I, now, how, how she ended up on Trump's team, you know, you can tell me if you think he's not an actor. But uh, she, you know, he, Tucker said something like that, you know, to Sands, and he, and he, she just says, no, no, we're, we're advising him to go, go into that courtroom and force them to look into the eye. I mean, th- this as if the as if of, they have any like can, yeah. uh, <laughs> respectability. To yeah, like I know it's <laughs> they would hesitate to look at it. I mean, he, he, they sent him into a courtroom. He has no chance. Whatever chance, let's say a a black man who was accused of uh, looking inappropriately that a white girl had in Mississippi in say 1930. Whatever chance they had before that all white jury, most of the members of the Klan. I say still. 
he probably had more of a chance than Donald Trump would have walking into a New York courtroom today. Mm. There's no chance. So, mm. but again, so but he willingly went there. He could have stayed in Mar. He could have stayed at Mar-a-Lago. Could have stayed in Florida. Played golf, which is basically what he does all the time. Anyhow, instead he went there. He played the game because he's an actor. And I, I don't want to hear anybody after that. To me, that was his last chance. Anybody that thinks this guy is the least bit sincere, he had a chance to give a giant middle finger to this. He had to say, you know, we're not. And the and the Republicans. Should have won. Now, at least they wouldn't have. They would because they're 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 not any opposition. They're jokes. But the entire Republican Party, that's what the Democrats would have done. And you saw look at juxtaposed against that. Look what Bragg did when Jordan wanted him to come. To, he, he just laughed at him. He, he so did. Jordan had he, to yeah. Fill me in on that. He, did he just like refuse to show up in front of the Senate committee or the I guess I, it would have been a House committee. Well, no, I think he I think he threatened he might be suing Jordan. He threatened to sue them. Wow. I mean, so this 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 is where we're at, just like uh, Hunter Biden is suing Tucker Carlson now the, the other, because they know the courts are on their side. Why wouldn't they? Mm hmm. So that's why it's hilarious. Well, that's to see some, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that's that's certainly something that, you know, it's been like endless coverage on Fox News, although I don't I mean, I don't really watch Fox News all that closely. I don't even have a cable subscription. But I know like leading up to this, that was like that this was like the only thing they were talking about. It was like one of the only things Trump was talking about. And I mean, he, he has made a lot of good points. I mean, this is obviously a very politically motivated indictment. Sure. It is a witch hunt. I mean, you know, they've been trying yep. to see, you know, they've, they've been these radical left wing Democrats and their allies in the media have been frothing at the mouth to see Trump, you know, behind bars since mm -hmm. he stepped foot on the political stage. You know, they've been after him yeah. from day one. You see the judge involved in this case, this Colombian immigrant yes. who has donated <laughs> to Democrats in the past. Uh -huh. I mean, at least based on the reports that I've read, he apparently has a very left wing family. His daughter apparently worked for the Biden campaign and <laughs> Kamala yes. Harris. Yes. And yep. this is something that Trump, of course, is exposing and talk about and talking about. He you know, basically describes his situation as something straight out of the old Soviet Union. And, you know, there is some truth to that. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of the statements that he's made, you know, denouncing the indictment about how politically motivated it is, you know, he, he, he's spot on with it. And you got to see, you know, you got it like you compare it to like the, the, the Democrats reaction and just the absolute like viciousness and brazenness of, of somebody like Nancy Pelosi, for example, who basically said that, oh, this is a, you know, a legitimate grand jury and they assembled all the facts and acted upon the facts and on the law and no one's above the law and everyone has a right to prove innocence yeah, no basically <laughs> yeah basically like flipping the traditional yeah. concept of justice on its head where you are actually guilty and you have to prove your mm -hmm. innocence it's supposed to work the opposite way right? right you know so these people like you you just look at their mindset compared to like the the republicans and the conservatives it's like total opposite you know yeah no and they, and they are they're they're not playing they're, and this is why, again, you can't they, – they are they're respecting the, the playing field. Obviously, you mentioned that as far as social media or anything. Le, playing field is obviously at level, but it's not even level between the Republicans and the Democrats. And again, the Republicans I, I don't think are any alternative. I've written about that many times, and you see it every time because they don't – they'll only go so far. And only very few of them, that Freedom Caucus basically is what you're going to get, maybe 20 people in the House. And I guess the new guy, uh, J.D. Cash, maybe in the Senate. So you have a very a fraction of the Republicans will have any interest at all, and they never discuss race. They certainly won't go against the ADL or Israel or anything like because they're almost all pro-Israel. But so they they only go to a certain point. But at least they will 
show some opposition to some of this, and they'll recognize it. And Trump obviously was – most of what Trump says, I, I agree with. It's always been the case. It's what he does, and this mm-hmm. is a chance. He had a chance here. Of course, this is it's just, this is a joke of a – to even bring this kind of – the statute of limitations expired. So if Trump had a real legal team, if he had O.J. Simpson's legal team with Shapiro in charge, they would have thumbed their nose at New York, and they would have said, yeah, you know, we're here. Go ahead and try to extradite us, and they wouldn't be able to do it because DeSantis would block it. So that's what they should have done. But instead, he gets this—he gets these this legal team that I, I that people like the, you know that they're charged uh, with crimes and you know a ghetto get. He gets these kind of horrible lawyers who couldn't. I mean, Trump loses every time he goes into court since he became president. Now before he would win and bankruptcy and all that stuff when he would, but once he started playing this game and became Trumpenstein, his role is to lose. When he goes into court, look what happened after the election, despite massive evidence that, that there was a lot of uh, you know shenanigans going on. 60 out of 62 courts, including many with Trump-appointed judges, wouldn't even look at the evidence. Yeah, the that, says, that yeah. says everything right there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that kind of leads me to another question I wanted to ask you is – and that is you know, how much of this is theater? And are people buying it? I mean, yeah. we saw in the lead up to this, Trump was out there calling for protests. And, yeah. you know, he, I'm looking at a mainstream mainstream article straight from Time magazine. This was published on March 21st. So, you know, a couple of weeks before the indictment. But again, Trump had been talking about this, you know, imp- you know, pending indictment for weeks leading up to it. Largely, I think, in an effort to raise money and to generate sympathy and to just expose the Democrats for being just total corrupt you know, ruthless monsters out to get him, which they certainly are. But again, it's like, how much of this is theater? And are people even buying into it? Because this article, I mean, this is like quoting people, you know, quoting Trump supporters or former Trump supporters who have become increasingly disillusioned with him and saying, look, Mm -hmm. we're not going to go out and protest for this guy. The last time we did that, half of us wound up in jail without even any charges being filed against us. And we're still locked up to this very day. And of course, I'm referring to the January 6th protesters. So I guess how would you address that? I mean, how much of this is actually is just theater and are people even buying it anymore? Yeah, well, that's, again, why why I call it the Trumpenstein Project. I believe it is all theater. I think Trump was a. is an actor, and he's he's been in on it the entire time, and he used a lot of great rhetoric, a lot of populist rhetoric from 2016, that which really there wasn't a whole lot in his past to indicate he had these. I mean, he did a few hints here and there, maybe on trade and issues, but nothing to the extent where it was revolutionary. It attracted somebody like me. But as soon as he got into office, it, it, no matter what happened, he, he from after a great inaugural address, and it was one of the greatest inaugural addresses in history. It was really wonderful. It, it, it did kind of give me a little hope. But it, as soon as you saw his appointments, one after the other, nothing but swamp creatures, not a single outsider. He didn't do anything he said. He, he did nothing about immigration. He was supposed to sign an ex- executive order the first day in office, you know, uh, b- banning sanctuary cities, uh, c- cities, stopping catch and release, ending birthright citizenship, ending the visa, foreign visa worker programs. He actually increased that. He deported fewer uh, illegals than Obama did. He did nothing but talk, and uh, he just kept tweeting. And of and course, tweeting. Yeah, I was going to say talk and tweet. Yeah, that was yeah, the story of his presidency. Tweeter in chief, but but he. Uh, so there, certainly, I don't know what you can call that other than theater. And of course, it didn't help that he was by himself. But he was by himself because he 
He stocked his administration with the people. His administration was looked no different than, say, a President Jeb Bush's administration would have looked. Mm -hmm. He got all those those every one of those appointees would have been in Jeb, but Nikki Haley, Bolton, uh, <clears throat> William Barr. Just horrible, horrible people. Uh, you know, Mad Dog Mattis. You really want somebody named Mad Dog in there? Rex Tillerson. These guys were all horrible people. He had nobody good at, at, at any kind of meaningful level. And uh, so he had nobody when he was – he had people – and never seen that in the history of this country where uh, his people that, that he had appointed that were on his side would openly – disagree with him and badmouth him in public no no president has ever experienced that before it was a game and trump would you know fight with him and then he'd just if he fired him he'd replace him with another insider it was a joke he never yeah. he never you know he, he was and, and, but the entire thing was and of course the media and hollywood kept up the drumbeat with the trump derangement syndrome and most of them obviously aren't in on an act they're just responding to his personality and that's why he was chosen to divide the country and there's people that just respond to it like Pavlovian rats and they just despise him. Like he, I call, I've called him Goldstein, Emmanuel Goldstein from uh, Orwell's 1984 and the two minutes hates that uh, the party insiders felt for Goldstein, the fake opposition leader really are 24 seven uh, hate with Trump. And I, I've had discussions with him, people that, you know, were formerly regional. They've lost their mind. They don't care. They 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 think he's. You know, I, I kept saying, you know, you what is what do you, why do you hate him? They they can't think of a single reason. Oh, I just they, they hate his personality because it's an act. But uh, unfortunately, Trump and it, he's still there. He's still hanging there, and they're still holding out that um, that hope there and dangling it out. And the idea and the Republicans to show how crazy they are, they're still holding out hope for 2024, even though. They know 2020 was rigged. I mean, all that elections rigged, but 2020 was so blatant. 2022 as well. The midterms were incredibly rigged. And you've got people in prison sitting there because they said it was rigged. Donald Trump may be prosecuted in Georgia, of all places, the same state where Stacey Abram has openly walked around and said, I, I was robbed of being governor. Nothing happened to her. But she, he uh, may be basically prosecuted there. For claiming there was electoral fraud, and imagine how far we've the Democrats have got to the point now where they want to criminalize people alleging that there was voter fraud. But there's no opposition. The Republicans are horrible. Most of them agree with the Democrats, and the handful, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, are just demonized and called crazy, just like Trump is. So there's that's the problem we have. We have nobody. There are millions and millions of people that see the tyranny, see the corruption. Understand how crazy it all has been. How many people that have a public platform, Tucker Carlson, maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan and Matt Gates, a few people, Republicans in Congress, they've all been demonized. That's it. Everybody else and, and every, there's not anybody in the corporate world. We talked to, you know, about corporations and everything. Every single one of those corporations is as woke as NPR is. So there's where do you go? Where's the opposition? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, all very, very good points. And I mean, just the, the, the nature of the indictment, the nature of the charges are just really absurd. And that's why I, I, I tend to agree, like maybe this is some sort of like political theater, some sort of political stunt. Certainly it would not surprise me with Trump because that's what he's best at, really. Um, e even William Barr, Trump's former attorney general, you know, who was like an open critic of Trump and like, you know, certainly now that he's out of office, but I mean, he was never going along with with Trump's agenda. He described the indictment as an abomination, and that you know it's basically an epitome of the abuse of prosecutorial power to bring a case that would not be brought against anyone else. 
they're going after a man, not a crime, is what he said. I, I, I had some good quotes from him in this article. <laughs> Jonathan Turley, the legal analyst that's often on CNN, and I, kn- I know he writes for like the New York Post, I believe, and a couple other places. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically said that the indictment had no legal substance whatsoever. Yeah. And I mean, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But I, again, it, it tends to lead me to believe, just based on the absurd nature of the indictment itself, and then of course. All the the media coverage leading up to it and Trump's response that you know this is some sort of political stunt here, and um, yeah, it's just outrageous. You know, I, I want to just uh, I'll just wrap up um, by reading the last two paragraphs I wrote for this article. I say here the blatant political prosecution against a former president on such spurious charges represents perhaps a new low in the American justice system. Polls continue to show that majorities of American voters view the justice system as tragically politicized, with Democrats openly targeting their political opponents. Other investigations into Trump are taking place in Georgia and Washington, D.C., with separate indictments expected in the coming weeks and months. The witch hunt against former President Trump will only accelerate in the near future, and I, th- I think that's probably you know what we're going to see here. You know, as we le- certainly as we lead up to the uh, the, the next election. Which, you know, again, I think you're right. I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think the 2020 election certainly was absolutely fraudulent in like virtually every way. And the the election was likely stolen from Trump. And yet here he is still participating in the in, in this whole charade, you know. And the, the way that you concluded your article really was, I, I think, a powerful way to express it. And you argue that at some point a leader has to stand up to this unprecedented tyranny and corruption, and this was Trump's final chance. And I mean that that's that's yeah. spot on. I mean, how much longer are we going to put up with this? And and he, we we don't. First of all, Trump is for 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 good or bad, he's still seen by I don't know how many million. I mean, he with 80 million voted, maybe 50 million still support him to some degree. I don't know, 40 million, but a lot of people. Still look at him as, as this is our savior. This is our this is the leader. This is the opposition. There is nobody. DeSantis to a slight or lesser degree, but there's nobody else. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who I like a lot, uh, maybe some, but you know, there's it's it's hard to say with him because. Uh, Boy, he's he's, run... he's said a lot of really really powerful things lately on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. and, yes. I mean, denouncing the neocon agenda and yeah. exposing yeah. our. Oh man, it's yeah, he's. He's oh, saying he's, he's saying a lot of good things, and and of course he's always been a you know sort of a longtime critic of vaccinations, and yes. you know has exposed a lot of good things. Although he, I, I frankly, I don't think there is such a thing as a safe or effective vaccine at all, and that includes no, all right. of them, not just the COVID shots. But he still seems to think that vaccination yeah. is like a legitimate thing. But th- yeah. that being said, w- what he said and done has been very very good, I think, and it'll be yeah. interesting to see you know how how things develop with his campaign. But anyways, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in there. Go ahead. No, no. And But uh, so that's the thing. Is to whatever degree, of course, he's hampered by the unfortunate speech problem he has, which he inherited from his grandmother, Rose Kennedy. Uh, it's nothing he can do about it. I forget the name of it. Uh, but it's uh, so it makes it does. It makes his voice a subject to ridicule. And you can bet that Saturday Night Live and Donald Trump will be competing on who can ridicule him more for his voice because they will do it. And Trump, you know, if Roger Stone is Roger Stone is out there trotting out, uh, Donald Trump should name Robert F. Kennedy as his running mate. You know what? If Trump named RFK Jr. as his running mate, I would vote for him again. But yeah, again, right? It's, it's, it would be such a good move, I think. Oh, it, it'd be, and it would be a great kind of unifying ticket. But again, how many times is Trump? We just talked about it. he had a chance with DeSantis, Florida. He never 
does the right thing. Not once. I'm thinking about pardoning Assange. I knew he wasn't going to pardon Assange or Snowden or Manning. I, I didn't think he'd pardon the president of Death Row Records and a bunch of Blackwell Water executives. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't. There's yeah. tons of people that he could pardon. He didn't do it because that's what Trump does. He thinks he might. He says he might because it's part of his game. So he might didn't, play around. And, did, didn't Trump also pardon Jonathan Pollard? Yes. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yep. mean, what are yep. we doing here? I mean, we're pardoning this guy, this total arch criminal who goes over to Israel and is welcomed, welcomed as a hero and is later interviewed saying that, you know, he encourages other other Jews to basically do the same thing that he did. And and yeah. yet here's a guy that Trump is pardoning. Meanwhile, his actual supporters are rotting in prison. Yeah, that's and that's and Trump. I don't know the, the legality of it, but uh, they, they say that he could have pardoned him, but he, he didn't even try. I mean, he did. He and of course, that would have been. But he didn't even he not. He threw them under the he bus. He barely so even mentioned it until no. relatively recently. No, he did. But, you know, I, I this is how strong his support is. I had Nikki Haley's mom on my show. Nikki, uh, some months back, and I've corresponded with her a couple times since then. She's, I asked her about Trump, and she still loves Trump. Nikki, ha- Nikki Haley, the. I mean, I'm not Nikki Haley. I'm sorry. Oh, what, what okay. I'm t- uh, Ashley Babbitt. Ashley, Nikki Haley. Okay, Ashley. I was like, okay. wait, Nikki, Nikki Haley's Haley, mother? No, you had on your? Okay. No, 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 no. no. A- I mean, I'm sorry. I, why I thought of that, I don't know. Ashley Babbitt's my, you know, the w- woman that was tragically uh, killed, right. shot okay. by a cop who was never punished but was celebrated. Uh, she still supports Trump, and I was shocked. I mean, I. I, I felt for the woman. I wasn't going to argue with her, but that's that's how somebody that lost their child still doesn't look at him as having betrayed them or whatever. There are plenty of people in there that do. I'd like to know what Joe Biggs thinks, you know, the former InfoWars guy who Alex Jones hasn't talked about that much either, to tell you the truth. But, um, you know, he's he's one of the people that the proud boys that could get uh, who knows what kind of draconian sentence he could get. But this, this is horrible. And very few marjorie taylor green and, and matt uh, gates are about the only a couple handful of them that mm-hmm. tried to visit them in prison and talked about it but other than that the republic well, have been silent on it yeah you're right and and there's been so much information that has come out about not only january 6th and the proud boys but also going back to the whole um gretchen whitmer kidnapping yeah, hoax yep. and, and these are mm-hmm. topics that you and i have both covered for american free yep, press yep. and there continues to be a lot of ver- very good independent journalism done on both of these topics including by julie kelly the yep. author of the january 6th book that american free press sells and, and and many other people there's actually an entire documentary that's being made about the uh gretchen whitmer uh kidnapping hoax and how literally from start to finish the entire thing was set up by the fbi by agents mm-hmm. of the fbi by informants and undercover operatives of the FBI. And the same goes with the Proud Boys situation with January 6th in general. And this is something that you would think that Donald Trump would want to talk about and expose and, and really get to the bottom of and let the American people know how the federal government is, is like literally setting up these fake, you know, quote unquote terrorist attacts and kidnapping plots and ins- quote unquote insurrections in mm-hmm. order to manufacture this political narrative. And yet he, he says very few things. In fact, right before we started the program, I was looking on his Instagram page. Apparently he started posting on Instagram today. And what is he <laughs> posting about? He's posting about his Trump collector cards. Yeah. You know, I follow him it. on, yep. uh, I follow that's, him on telegram. That's Trump. Yeah. I follow him on telegram and, and, and is he exposing FBI corruption and how they're setting up, you know, the, these, like total totally like well-meaning hard-working americans 
you know, to setting up these fake kidnapping plots and setting up a fake insurrection on January no. 6th. No, he's, you know, talking crap about Ron DeSantis. Yeah. He's complaining about the media. He's complaining about Joe Biden. I mean, it's just this guy yeah. has all the potential in the world and yet continues to disappoint. Yeah. So I have a hard time disagreeing with your overall assessment of him. Yeah, well, and he, he again, the, the, even when he makes good points, and he does make good points, it's always related to him. Yeah. So when he yeah. when he criticized the, I mean, I, I talked about, I, you know, when the when the Republicans and all Republicans really were incensed when uh, they raided Mar-a-Lago, and I think, you know, where have you been since? Uh, where have you been with these no-knock raids? That I don't know if you heard the other day that. Uh, uh, I think it was last week or something. It was an incredibly tragic story that the, the police went to the wrong house and then ended up killing the guy because he ended oh, up. Oh, I, I mean, didn't even it, see it. What? Where was it, that at? Oh God, where I, I could lose track of them. Okay, I, don't, I, don't don't worry I, about it. I, but it, but it's it was it got some play. But I mean, one day I'll write a book about the police and get really popular. But uh, <laughs> doing because they they do that stuff all the time, and uh, Republicans and conservatives continue to support. And that's why I try to tell them all the time. You think these police are your friends? Look, look, look at the what, what are they doing? That you have, have you in any BLM riot? Any did you have you seen some of these recent transgender riots when the cops openly, overtly sided with the transgenders? They're, it's not even they don't even make a pretense. They they might as well have been Nancy Pelosi out there in uniform. Mm-hmm. That's how ridiculous they are, especially one in Canada, which was just absolutely embarrassing. But um, that you know. So people, conservatives make it. First of all, they, they should rename themselves because the way America is right now, what is there? There's nothing worth conserving in America right now, in America 2.0. It's a rotten mess. It's a th- third world banana republic. So Republicans need to get out of their heads. This is not the 1950s anymore. It's not even the 1990s. And this is uh, this is decades of letting the other side get whatever they want, of basically stepping in the ring and getting hit repeatedly in the head and never punching back. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what that side has been doing for decades, basically almost my entire life. Trump looked like he was finally the one that was going to punch back, but ultimately he just did a lot of taunts, taunted but still got hit in the head constantly. And that's where that's where we are right now. That's why I said if um, – you know, Roger Stone, who I, you know, I kind of know Roger Stone wrote a forward to one of my books and I talked to him and had him on my show. And uh, he's been supportive of me, or at least, you know, when he talks about me, says nice things, but uh, which he doesn't do very often. But he uh, he's I think he's living in a dream world because he's talking about I'm going to suggest to Trump that he name Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as, as running. That would be great. But the problem is Trump would never do it just as he didn't just as he went to New York when he could have stayed in Florida. Just as he didn't pardon Assange and he pardoned the, the, the uh, president of Death Row Records instead, he does this. Th- he does these things over and over again. Just as when he opens his rallies, he opened his rallies for months, uh, you know, talking about nonsensical stuff and not saying a word about the political prisoners that were Promo- denied all promoting <laughs> the vaccine and yeah, yeah. promoting the vaccine. Yeah, I mean that's he'd, he'd rather talk about that than yeah any of these other yeah. legitimate issues. Yeah. yeah, no, I I look, it's hard again. Like I said, it's hard. It's hard for me to disagree with pretty much anything you're saying. And, you know, Ann Coulter has always had a really good take and it always just spot on in her, you know, criticisms of Trump. And she's right. It, it, it At the end of the day, it is always about him. Yeah. You know, that's what this is all about. It's like and, and I mean, I do tend to think that he does have some genuine, you know, patriotic feelings for America. And, you know, he, he's looking around and seeing how how far we've fallen. And, and, and that that I think is all true. But it's almost like his own personal ego and his own, 
concern, his like egotistical concern for himself and his image and his legacy and his reputation precedes all of that. It's 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 more about him than about the country, and I think that's been reflected in certainly in his in his first administration and just the the repeated mistakes he made and just the nonsensical things he did, as you said, appointing people that were like open opponents of what he was trying to do. I mean, what are you <laughs> what are you doing? You and know, Nikki and Haley, then Nikki Haley, who I accidentally had to misidentify with Ashley Babbitt earlier, she was a very vocal never Trumper. That's why I was shocked when I I thought, what you know, this is. Now, I said at the time, I said, I would like to see how many people that are in his cabinet actually voted for him. I don't know that any of them did. Mm, yeah, good you point. Know, you know, it's... Well, I, I, I kind of want to, to move on. I mean, it's basically, I want to cover a couple other topics, and both of them are, are, are very much related to everything we've already mm-hmm. discussed. And, and this is a topic, again, that you and I have both written extensively about for the newspaper, and that's the weaponization of the U.S. justice system in America. And how the far left uses the law to target and punish its political enemies while excusing and in some cases even rewarding far left radicals who actually do commit crimes, engage in terrorism, and shut down and sabotage the legitimate political expression of their opponents. I mean, did, I don't, did you see the uh, – it was a big settlement between a group of like BLM, Antifa protesters, and I think it was the city of Philadelphia yeah, where they were rewarded like – million like it was like eight million dollars or something ridiculous and i mean this is typical and you know we've seen countless of these you know far left terrorists you know these rioters and criminals basically either have their charges totally dropped if they're even filed at all you know or they get like some big you know non-profit organization to to bail them out of prison and then they wind up suing the city for you know police misconduct i mean it's just ridiculous it's so it's so one-sided and upside down and backwards mm-hmm. and yet yep. again it's a topic that trump really should be focusing on considering how it's been wielded so effectively against all of his opponents and and again you know american conservatives and patriots continue to be railroaded by the justice system especially under president biden and this was a huge story you wrote about for the paper about this douglas Mackey guy who went oh, by yep. ricky vaughn on twitter um i frankly I'm not a huge fan of this guy. I mean, he, he really did some uh, some kind of shady things uh, in the past. I never followed his work all that closely on Twitter. I did I did follow him at the time, but he caused a lot of problems and created these big you know disputes in, in, in the sort of dissonant right that I did not think was very productive or helpful at all. That being said, he certainly should not be criminally prosecuted for posting a meme on Twitter, which is yeah. basically what he did in, in, in these yep. – these politically motivated prosecutors are saying, you know, it's basically the Department of Justice that's charged him, and they're saying that this is election interference. So you you want to, yeah, just the, by the way, the headline of your article here is "Man faces 10 years for posting joke meme about online voting." I mean, how much more ridiculous can this country get? Yeah, no, and that's I, I know I know nothing about that guy other than that I had heard he was in he was going to be prosecuted, and then the fact that I think we need to look at a couple things here, and that's why. Uh, when people talk about uh, right to a trial by jury, again, uh, no, uh, right to a trial to be convicted, because I mean a jury convicted him. So where, where, what kind of brain dead jury does that? But we see this over and over and over again. And the only time that you know, I, I one day I'll write a book about that. If maybe I don't know if I if I have <laughs> to about the it concentrates on how the, the, the justice system gets it wrong over and over again. The, the prisons are full of people who were unfairly convicted, may or may not be innocent. 
but are unfairly convicted because they didn't have any representation. They had a public defender that spent less than five minutes with them. They had a prosecutor that didn't care about the truth, a withheld evidence, altered evidence. And this has gone back to the days of Richard Halpman, who was framed and executed for the Lindbergh baby kidnapping and found out decades later that the prosecutor there had actually altered his time cards, physically altered his time cards to, to destroy his alibi of being at work at the time. So this is this is how corrupt the system has been for almost 100 years. And it's gotten so bad now that uh, people So we should all. That's why when Republicans, conservatives talk about doing something in court. No, the court is not your friend. You may have you may have a one in a thousand chance, maybe, of getting a halfway decent judge, maybe. But that's very unlikely. Most of the judges are absolutely horrible, much more likely to get a judge like Judge Juan, whatever his name is, that Trump has, who's already ruled against him twice, by the way. He's already ruled against him twice. And as you mentioned, he has family members that have worked for Biden and Harris. So that's, in the old days, that would you know cause someone to recuse themselves, but not anymore. They don't recuse themselves. Well, then, yeah, that, that would require some sort of uh, integrity. And that's very much lacking, not only in the in the justice system, but just in politics in general. Yeah. And so, you know, so you have this guy uh, who, you know, you can't, there's a lot of, you know, I, I've spent a lot, I used to spend a lot of time on the JFK assassination forums, especially and other conspiracy forums, but mostly there. And I, I was very active for years there. And you get people there that are really pains in the ass. I mean, they, we call, they're trolls. We call them trolls, right? And so maybe this guy had a little of that in him. And uh, you wonder what they're doing there. Uh, I think most of them just like to be trolls. People like that. I mean, Trump has a lot of troll in him. He likes to troll, you know, and uh, there, there are people that just like to, to agitate and, and get people worked up and, and kind of um, uh, deter the discussion. And that's what mostly trolls do. When you're talking about something productive, they'll, they'll suddenly steer it off in a nonsensical direction and destroy the conversation. And but I, I, how do you prosecute somebody for that? Yeah, it, it's it's messed up and it does. But what's the crime? And that's the problem with this. OK, so he regardless of what he did. And, and again, there's so many memes that I, I point out in the article. There was an Asian woman. I think it's probably irrelevant that she was Asian. I think it would have been the same if she was white, but she was Asian that put out almost an exact same meme. about yeah, Paul. Yeah. I mean, it was almost word for word. The exist. So if this is a crime, why wasn't it a crime for her? Again, it's selective well, prosecution. I was going to say real quick, Mackey's quote-unquote criminal tweet simply said, avoid the line, vote from home, text Hillary to 59925. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was basically a joke to encourage mm -hmm. people to just, you know, oh, don't actually go out and vote, just, you know, text this number, mm -hmm. and, it, you know, it'll register your vote. So it's sort, sort of just like making fun of like the stupidity of like an average voter or whatever, if they mm -hmm. were to actually, you know, believe this. But as you mentioned, this woman and I actually did I either I, I totally forgot about this or I wasn't even aware. This woman, Christina Wong, yeah, basically did the same exact thing, except yep. her tweet targeted Trump voters. And her <laughs> her tweet difference. her tweet read, "Hey Trump supporters," and she put the American flag emoji mm -hmm. in front of and after Trump supporters. Hey Trump supporters, skip poll lines at election 2016 and text in your vote. Text votes are legit or vote mm -hmm. tomorrow on Super Tuesday – or sorry, Super Wednesday, which is the day after the election, so you can't even vote after the election. <laughs> so honestly, like objectively looking at this, like looking at her tweet versus this guy, uh, Douglas Mackey, who went by um, Ricky Vaughn, her tweet is actually even more explicitly deceptive yes. than what yep. his was, and yet 
again, as you mentioned, I mean, she's not facing 10 years in prison. No. Putting out a tweet like that for election, quote unquote, election interference. No, I mean, this is just, yeah, this is just a, a brazen assault on free speech and just, just common sense. I mean, well, give me a break. It, it, we, 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 and we talked about the time, all the Trump people like, uh, Roger Stone and Flynn and Manafort, one of the charges of like ignoring Congress or whatever, ignoring a subpoena from Congress. We go back to Eric Holder and tons of people on the other side that it, it, it that did the same thing. It was never it was never prosecuted. You can't have this kind of, I mean, well, we've had double standards in, in their justice system forever. It's just so bad now. It used to be that it used to be that when uh, you went into court. Uh, you had a better chance, maybe, of getting a judge that had at least uh, somewhat of a, you know, you know uh, respect for the law. Now you walk into the courtroom of an Amy Berman Jackson or some or one of uh, if you saw Alex Jones's uh, judges, the ones he's had, that last TikTok judge he had, she had you know full of the most ridiculous woke nonsense all over her social media. So you know what she thinks of Alex Jones. Right. When he walks in. So it runs about, you know, I think that was theater, too. I think Alex Jones is pretty much an actor like Trump. But but still, symbolically, it's what what out what it represented when Alex Jones was convicted and made to pay this ridiculous trillion dollars, whatever. Just abs- absurd. Like basically they 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 what their legal system was saying is that this is the greatest crime that for any that anybody's ever had to play legal restitution. Nobody had to pay as much as Alex Jones. So this was the greatest crime in the history of jurisprudence to question an event. Yeah. And, and nobody, nobody, because they, Elon Musk, Mr. Free Speech, he said, no, you can't talk about Sandy Hook here. Really? It might, it might so, upset the, the alleged family members whose alleged kids reportedly died in this, in the mass shooting. Of course, I have major questions right. about the validity sure. of that entire situation, but yeah, no, yeah. it will. And I mean, compare it to another story I wrote for this issue was about this professor at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan, Stephen Shaviro. I don't know if you saw that story or if you read the you read the piece that I, I I wrote for the newspaper. Here's a professor, an English professor at Wayne State University, literally writing on Facebook that it is it is far more admirable to kill a racist, oh, yes, homophobic <laughs> or transphobic speaker than it is to shout them down. I mean, how is this not <laughs> An embrace of extreme violence and even murder against those that hold different political or racial views. Well, and there's another professor that uh, my friend James Tracy, who I've had on my show a couple. I had him as my lawyer on my show a few years ago that uh, was fired from a community college in, in Florida for talking about Sandy Hook. He, he was, was actually – yeah, I know James Tracy well. He was actually a professor at Florida Atlantic University, which is – Okay, it was Florida a, a pretty okay, legitimate. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, I don't yeah. think it's. Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have said community. That's right. That's true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, but, but but this is this is what you get. You get a guy that posts this joke meme facing yeah. ten years, and here's an English professor basically saying it's it's preferable to actually kill a quote unquote racist or a homophobe or a transphobe. Which I mean, you know, let's let's be serious about it. All that means is basically somebody that doesn't go along with the politically correct narrative on right, race right, or, right. or the LGBT agenda. I mean, you know, that's what it basically the, these terms mean. They're just these weaponized slanders, you well, know, and this is why if, if Trump and any of the other of the Cook brothers, whatever, and any people on the right that have money, supposedly on the right, they could match Soros and all the people. Cause what happens is 
Soros and the people on the left, all the funding they get, they can always get their minions out in the street. And what and they can they can protest any of this stuff. The right needs to get out in the street. The problem is they don't organically it's never gonna happen. It, it wasn't gonna happen. The right never had uh, riots or protests anyhow since really since the Civil War era when they were protesting the I don't even thought that wasn't even the right, but protesting the draft. Do you remember the draft riots in New York? Sure, yeah. Unless you maybe you say the the World War One, there were protests about that, but the, you know they threw Eugene Debs, and that was a left too. Eugene Debs and so they threw them in jail, and then the Supreme Court ruled that the Woodrow Wilson could do that. And that, by the way, is where the expression "you can't yell fire in a crowded theater" came from. I, I mentioned that several times. That's where it stems from. That horrible World War One decision, where basically uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, great liberal hero, eugenicist, war, warmonger. Uh, said that uh, you know uh, protesting a war basically is the same as yelling crying fire in a crowded theater. So uh, and that's and it, it, there's not one in a million Americans that knows the base, you know, the genesis of that uh, that thing. Well, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Well, do you know where that comes from? So there's some people that that's, that you know that parrot that understand your history, but that's you know the right has never. You had the America First movement, you know, before Pearl Harbor. Once Pearl Harbor happened. They fell in line. The American First Movement went, and they, any, any of them that still protested. Were they, were they were targeted by the Roosevelt administration? I mean, the right. What was it? The absolutely. sedition, the sedition trials. They, I mean, yeah, they tried to lock a lot of these people up. Yes, absolutely. And people like John T. Flynn, who was the president of the largest chapter of the American First Committee in New York, who was a liberal in good standing, classical liberal, wrote for all the mainstream periodicals. Roosevelt destroyed him. He, Roosevelt wrote to all the uh, – basically, it was canceling him, an early example of council culture. Roosevelt wrote to all the big publishers and all the big uh, editors and the newspapers and everything and uh, told them, don't hire this guy. So they destroyed his career, and uh, that happened later, as you know, with John Toland, who was a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian who wrote infamy about Pearl Harbor and went from being uh, being a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, a good court historian, good standing, being called a Nazi, even though his book had nothing to do with Nazis – and he ended his career. Uh, uh, the only people that would let him speak was the Institute for Historical Review. So he was actually he went from Pulitzer Prize winning to ending his days doing that. And that that's the kind of thing that happens. Because, but it's because there's no effective opposition on the right. And when things like this happen, basically, if that, if that had happened to Bill Clinton or Obama or whatever, the left would have been out in the streets. Mm-hmm. It's a, and they, they would have rallied. They would have been yeah taken over streets, committing violence, terrorism. Yep. Yeah, we don't even, you don't have to even commit violence. You but you could just Trump. There you go, Trump. You're a billionaire. Uh, you can set an example. Start pouring money into uh, groups that can go out and effectively organize that because that's you need. People are followers. So when you see those uh, these riots, uh, a lot of them are just people that are taking advantage of it. But they need somebody to light the spark. If you don't have the government assets, the people that are being paid by Soros or whatever. Out there to throw the first, you know, Molotov cocktail or break the first window. That's what gets people going. And people are followers. Once, once they see, okay, hey, it's here, but then they'll, they'll all start coming. And the more come, the more, the more that comes, then you'll see more. I've talked about that before. The reason I don't go, I'm close to Washington D.C. I'm not going to go to anything over there because I know there's going to be so few people there. But if I see hundreds of thousands, millions, I'll be there. Because I, there's power in numbers, and but that's the problem is we don't have any numbers, and they keep doing one thing after another, and it just no matter what they do, our side does. It. Look, look at France. 
Look at the people in the streets there. Look at the people you've had out in Germany, England, everywhere, Brazil. Didn't do any good in Brazil, but you've had millions of people protesting in these other countries. We had January 6th here, which we don't know how many people we had, but look what happened. The tyranny went into full effect, and they scared us to death, and that's why people are scared to get in the streets. Now, I don't, I don't want to you know, be denied due process and be thrown away like that. You get you know, draconian sentences for setting foot inside a building that is supposed to be a representative body and that my taxes pay for, but that's, that's where we are now. We're at that level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's true. And it's something that's faced this country for a very, very long time now. I mean, you were talking about world war two. I mean, it might even go back further than that. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, you're definitely on the right track there. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here in just a moment. I want to just briefly mention your final piece um, talking about high, basically highlighting and summarizing a, a recent Pentagon study that had some uh, some very uh, negative things to say about the state of American youth and their potential to actually join the military and fight in a real war, which of course are, are lunatic political figures in Washington, D.C., all these neocons that run the State Department and the Biden administration. They're just itching for a war with Russia and China. And yet, you know, you look at the state of our military, you look at the state of the potential recruits for the U.S. military, half of them are totally insane, criminally insane, basically, or out of shape, or on drugs, or all of the above. So <laughs> do you want to go ahead and, uh, and, and just, we'll kind of wrap up with this just by highlighting this this uh, this last piece that you wrote, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, and it was just, I think, kind of a human interest story because, as you know, I mean, I've, I've been against uh, – I would have been against every war since the last one I would have supported would have been the War of 1812 because we actually were invaded. Our shores were invaded. But um, other than that, I would have opposed – so I think, you know, we we, uh, we go to war most of the time and uh, almost all the time. There's no justification for it whatsoever. So – and we weren't even supposed to have a standing army. So this, this military-industrial complex is not – constitutional. It doesn't fit in with the form of government the founders uh, thought of. But be that as it may, that's our calling card, isn't it, to say we have this powerful military. And we do have a huge thing, a gargantuan complex. And it's uh, it has a lot of soldiers in it. But this is showing exactly how the soldiers are atrophying. And they're not being replaced by fresh blood because uh, the new generation is so out of shape, has psychological problems or physical problems, um, and just simply can't could pass muster if they wanted to. So if we did ever have, let's say, you know, I've, I've said many times, if Russia or China ever wanted to invade our shores, if somehow they got here, we wouldn't have a chance. If, if but I, I think, you know, again, at that level, that all they all work together. I, you know, I don't, I think these are all artificial wars and artificial enemies. I think at the top they're all working together. But let's assume that, you know, China or Russia really wanted, ah, just get rid of America. They wouldn't have a chance. We would not have a chance because just look at look at look at our citizenry. We wouldn't fight. Except we we don't do anything now. We're not going to do anything then. And and look at the Chinese and look at the Russians. Can you imagine them going up against transgender soldiers or having having you know people the pussy hat wearers scream at them or something? At you know what are my pronouns or something? I mean, they 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 would probably relish fighting. So so I I don't think we're in any shape if if we did have real enemies from outside. And not foreign hobgoblins, which is what I call them, we would not have a chance. So that was what the article is about, is about how yeah. you know, but that's the indictment of America, how out of shape we are mentally and physically.
Right. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about, you know, the, the widespread use of pharmaceutical drugs in this country. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly the, the statistics off the top of my head, but it's a huge percentage of U.S. adults and, and even a lot of kids nowadays. Not to, you know, couple that with all the, the, the transgender and, you know, LGBTQ nonsense that we see just so prevalent amongst America's youth. I mean, we got a lot of problems. And to think that we're going to wield and, you know, this this incredibly powerful army or something with a bunch of trannies and, and just drug addicts. I mean, it's just not even, it's a joke. It's, it's totally laughable. Yeah. And I actually seen, I've seen some videos recently like TikToks um, posted on telegram and other social media, basically um, kind of giving you an insight into the state of the military where a lot of them are taken by people that are actually in the military themselves. And there was just one I just saw just off the top of my head. Uh, it, it was an all-female. Um, I don't know if they're in the army or the or the navy or what 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 uh, you know branch in the military it was, but she's going around and asking everybody why they joined, and mm -hmm. it was like the United Nations. I mean, you had blacks and, and Asians and Mexicans and whites and you know just people from all over the world in the military, and almost none of them had anything patriotic to say oh i joined it to you know to fight for my country to stand up for what i believe in to stand up for our rights to protect my home it was all about oh it was for the military sorry it was all for the money it was so i could go to college it was because i didn't have any other options it was because i don't even know i don't know i'm regretting my decision i don't know why i'm here so i mean it's just uh to, to think that america is in any sort of position to to fight russia or china or any other serious country um, is is just simply a delusion at this point. Oh yeah, and as I point out, uh, you know, what? And I, I try to tell people this all the time: is that what? When you still support the troops and all that nonsense, what? Why would anybody? If I'm a young person, what 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 would I be fighting for? What am I fighting for? I look at look at the mass of corruption everywhere. We talked about the legal system that doesn't serve the interests of of justice, that is completely corrupt. Where an, an honest person has less chance in a courtroom than, than somebody that's really evil and corrupt, way more less of a chance. Uh, where you have a political system where they're not even counting the votes, your vote doesn't count. An infrastructure that has not been touched for 60 years, it's third world banana republic level. What what exactly would if if I'm fighting to defend of America, I, I'm not fighting for George Washington and Thomas Jefferson anymore. I'm not even fighting for you know uh, the 80s. I mean, this there's no there's no reason in the world, especially if we fight against Russia. Russia, I, you know, Vladimir Putin says everything he says sounds better than what our politicians say. Yes, so it, absolutely. It, what do we fight? I mean, so I, I don't know how you could get any. I I wouldn't want my kids involved. I wouldn't want them involved in any wars. But uh, something now, what would you be fighting for? I mean, let's say we get on the side of Ukraine. So you're going to be you're going to be fighting against Putin, who is. Uh, talking about bringing Christianity back and paying his people to have babies and talking about family and, 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 and bad mouthing the U S's, you know, crazy woke stuff and transgenderism over Zelensky, this guy, this penis piano playing former comedian. who's an actor who is, uh, is so arrogant. He, he talks like Boris Badenoff and, and uh, keeps begging for billions. We have, we have uh, people crapping, literally crapping on the streets of our cities. And we've given this guy what is it almost a hundred or almost two hundred billion or something? This is so we're fighting for that. We go fight for him, this arrogant comedian actor. Over, I mean, it just it makes no sense. There's mm -hmm. there's no 
nothing the military can do to get you to uh, give you good. They can't even come up with a fake, credible enemy like during the Cold War. I mean, who's the enemy? They don't even talk about terrorism anymore. What what are they, what do they Russia? I mean, it's, it's yeah, not, now it's Russia and China because they w- simply don't want to go along with this, you know, U.S. dominated world order system. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and and just totally expose how corrupt our entire country is. Yeah, no, you're right, and I mean, especially if you're a white American, you know, male, certainly. Yes. I mean, what yep. are you thinking trying to join the U.S. military? Yeah. When you know this country, this government is is basically dedicated to to undermining your interests, to you yep. know, turning your country over to foreigners, and yep. to demonize you as dangerous domestic terrorists for simply not going yeah. along with it and not accepting every little thing the ADL says or the Biden administration says yep. or the neocons that basically run the entire government or the media say. So, yeah, it's we're certainly in no position to, to be doing any of the things that we're doing right now, but – you know, that's yeah. the that's the state of America these days. It's it's out of control yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, we gotta talk some sense into people and, and report the facts and that's exactly what we're all about at American Free Press. That's what Don Jeffries has been doing for a very long time with his writings and his books and his radio broadcasts. So Don, I'll tell you what, we'll leave it there. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. We'll stay in touch and do this again. Keep up the great work. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Okay. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, man. Okay, bye.